0: Speaks. He speaks to us through His Word today, doesn't He? And boy, He speaks a lot when you read it. And uh, one of the great things that I've learned over the last few years is the fact of rightly dividing of Scriptures. And that's been a real blessing to me. And uh, I've come to a conviction I'd seen it before. And I, I wasn't quite sure, but I'll just share with you what I feel about that. Uh, you can turn your Bibles if you want to, First Corinthians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 10 here in a little while. I'll be with you shortly, but I want to do a little bit of introduction if I could. title of my message this morning is, A New Beginning with the End in View. A new beginning. The first Sunday of the new year, the first day of the new year, with the end in view. The end is when we stand before Christ one day, and uh, we know that if you've been coming to our church, we try to uh, promote—not always, but because there's other things you have to speak on—is that there was a time past Genesis through Acts seven that God dealt with the nation of Israel. Now there is a but now. That started with the Apostle Paul in Acts 9 and transition of Acts, and Paul wrote Romans through Philemon, 13 books of the Bible. That's today. That's new revelation God gave Paul. That's for today. One day we're out of here, and then begins the ages to come. And that begins to once again deal with the nation of Israel. And that's from Hebrews through Revelation. And uh, so uh, I always try to let that sink in a little bit. So when we go to the scriptures, we try to always remind ourselves we love all the Bible, of course. And you can make practical applications from people's lives and God and things like that. We understand all of that. But we always ask ourselves, is this for time past or is it for the future or is it for today? You just ask yourself and that helps straighten you out right away. Now, we know this, Paul is our apostle for this dispensation of grace. As the 12 were the apostles under the dispensation of law, Paul is the apostle under the dispensation of of grace, Just as Moses was the man God called out to lead a new people, the people of Israel, the nation of Israel. And likewise, Paul was called out to be the leader of a new people called the body of Christ, those that are saved by this grace today. He said this in, in Ephesians 6.19, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, it's my heart's desire that God would give me a boldness about this, that I can share something about the gospel of Jesus Christ that was not known previously. It was a mystery. That's why it's the mystery of the gospel. He says this in Romans 16, 25, that I I love this verse. Now to him that is power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. How? According to the revelation, the unveiling, the uh, revealing of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. says, my gospel had been a secret hid in God never known until Christ revealed it to the Apostle Paul. And it's a different gospel than the gospel previously or will be hereafter, actually. So as a result of that, he says to all Christians, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, let let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, is required in stirs that a man be found faithful. And we are to be faithful in knowing the revelation given to Paul. He wrote 13 books to know that and to be able to be faithful to that. God wants that from us. Without Paul, these mystery truths revealed to him by Christ would not be known today. Remember, he did write 13 books of the New Testament. What if there were no Paul and no books? We would not know some of these truths. Unknown would be, for instance, one, the name for the age, this dispensation that we're in. It's the dispensation of grace. Ephesians 3, 2, Paul says this, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. We're in the dispensation of grace today. And he says, God, Christ revealed it to me. I'm sharing it with you now. And uh, a lot of people say, well, there's always been grace. True, there's always been grace, but there's never been a dispensation of grace as the main thrust as it is with that today. And something else unknowable would be the new truth about the gospel of grace. Uh, Acts 20, 24 says this, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I'm sharing new truth about this new gospel of grace. I'm giving you the full meaning of the gospel, the full meaning of his death, burial, and resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, you know it by heart. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is different from Israel being under law. Israel, the 12 apostles until Paul came along did not know the full meaning of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And the full meaning is the gospel is enough itself to save one. The third thing is unknowable would be the body of Christ. The body of Christ. No longer does Israel have favored status. Today, we're all equal. All are sinners and in need of a Savior. Amen? And so it's important. But the thing about the body of Christ, the Apostle Paul is the only author of Scripture that uses that term or that phrase. You don't find it anywhere else in the Bible at all. And then the fourth thing is unknown would be the temporal fall, the setting aside of Israel until the tribulation begins. The, this truth was first revealed to the apostle Paul. And that's why he wrote that in Romans, in Romans chapter nine through eleven. Paul was the first to know that Israel would no longer for a period of time have favored status during the dispensation of grace. He's the one who stood up for his gospel at the council meeting in Acts chapter 15. Later on, he explains to Peter and James and John and them, but Peter says this, the things about Paul that he writes are hard to understand. They had a hard time grasping number of things that Paul was saying. I believe they did come around concerning the full knowledge of the work of Christ. I I do believe that. Something else unknown would be the Holy Spirit. Uh, They didn't know about the Holy Spirit in full terms of a relationship. Uh, They didn't know about the Holy Spirit's baptism where he takes us out of Adam and he baptizes us, identifies us, places us into the body of Christ when we put our faith in the gospel. Amen? What a wonderful thing that is. They didn't know about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on a permanent basis. They didn't know that God would come and live inside of man his whole life until the redemption, or until we go to heaven one day. Something else unknowable would be the abolishing of the law of Moses to believers. We are no longer under law, but we are under grace. It has the meaning that we can't be condemned by the law anymore. The law for sin demands death. Jesus Christ died unto sin once. And since we're in Christ, we're dead to sin also. Amen? And we don't have to worry about that. And then another unknowable truth would be, if Paul wasn't on the scene, is the truth of total forgiveness. I don't believe we understand so great salvation that we actually do have when we get saved. When God saves us, he saves us from our past sin, from our present sin, and from our future sin. All sins that we have committed, are committing, or will ever commit, have been already forgiven by Christ through his finished work. That was unknowable. They still offered sacrifices. And then something else unknowable would be the body believer's rapture. One day we'll hear the trumpet and we'll be caught up. Unlike Israel that will live and reign on earth in their kingdom, we in the body of Christ, we will be caught up to live in heavenly places. That's our final destination. It states in Ephesians 2, 5 and following, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, made us alive together when we believe the gospel with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our position is already there. One day our body will be there. That in the ages to come he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He's, he has a lot of wonderful riches, not just material, riches of his grace he wants to give to us, demonstrate to us for all eternity. That's our hope today. Something else noble, would be, now don't miss this, the distinctiveness of the body of Christ apart from the nation of Israel. Thus the need or command to rightly divide the scriptures. There's a difference between the message to Israel than the message to the body of Christ. That's why we must study scripture within its context dispensationally. Who's he talking to? When, where, what, why? Those questions are critical. And then the last thing I wanna mention that would be unknowable would be not only the rapture but then the judgment seat of Christ. That's why we are to live with the end in view. One day we'll stand before Jesus Christ. This body that is raptured up, it's only for body believers, those who have believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that we will be judged, or probably better said, rewarded according to or based upon the believer's relationship to the mysteries, doctrines, teachings revealed, given to the Apostle Paul. Now, did you get a hold of that? I'm going to explain why that's so critical in just a second. Romans 2.16, Paul says this, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, one day we believers, the body of Christ, will stand face to face and we will be rewarded or have loss at that judgment seat of Christ. It states now, you can look at 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. According to the grace of God, which God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid, now don't miss this, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon, but let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. Paul says, and then he goes on to state there, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul says this, I have laid the foundation. The foundation is the mystery doctrinal truths for the body of Christ. He said, I've laid that foundation. Of course, it's built up on Christ, but Christ has given me some new revelation, some new doctrinal truths for the body of Christ. Verse 12 says this, Now, if any man build upon this foundation, this laid foundation, notice the word this. If any man build upon this, upon the mysteries, doctrinal truths for the body of Christ, okay? That's what he's talking about. And he says there, gold, silver, precious stones. It's not just how much we've done or how much we have sinned or we didn't sin. Now, don't, don't miss this. It's about the mystery's doctrine that we learned, we believed, and we followed. That's what it will be about. And then he mentions wood, hay, stubble. You know, when you present that to fire, puff, it goes, right? In the context, wood, hay, stubble represents bad doctrine bad teaching, of course a wasted life, they follow the bad doctrine, Israel's kingdom earthly program under law and the prophetic program. Bad doctrine is for those in the age of the dispensation of grace, the body of Christ, trying to legalistically follow Israel's prophetic, earthly program. That's bad doctrine. And let me just say, that's most of Christendom. Today we say, boy, that, those churches, they're being blessed and so on. But let me say something to you. What they've done for Christ will last, of course. We understand that. But if they did not promote and live the basic mystery, programs, doctrines that Paul has laid down, they will suffer great loss. You can have all the numbers you want, but if you don't live by truth, that's for today, you're wrong, and it's going to be a sad day one day. Amen? Verse 13, 14. Every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Now, rewards will be determined By to what extent did we apply by faith Pauline truth to our earthly life? And if we learned it, we believed it, and we followed it, one day we will be rewarded with heavenly positions, rank, office, rose, honor, If we learn the truth of rightly dividing, apply it to our lives, share it with other people, we will be blessed by God one day. Or you can look at the other side. To what extent did we apply living false teachings or teachings that are not to us? What if we live by Israel's doctrines? What if we live by Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is. We're not looking for the kingdom. That's not to the body of Christ. Heavenly places are to the body of Christ. Matthew 6 again says, I won't forgive you unless you forgive others. Oh, that's not to the body of Christ. If you live that, you're living Israel's doctrines. We've already been forgiven of all sin. Amen? Amen. And then the last verse, it shows verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now it uses the word fire. Back in verse 13, it used the the word fire twice. Now let me just say this. This has nothing to do with purgatory. Amen? There are a lot of people that promote purgatory. Some say purgatory is a place in the afterlife where religious souls supposedly go to to atone for their sins that were not taken care of while they were on the earth venial sins you could say the tormenting fire they say is to purge the soul of any lingering sin that then purifies one's soul thus qualifying then to enter heaven purgatory means pure gate they're pure now they can go through the gates of heaven Okay? You ask them how long do they have to spend in purgatory? Hundreds, millions of years? They don't know. Huh? Usually they say until God's wrath is justified. But let me just say this when it's talking about the fire, the truth is purgatory is a myth. It's made up in the imaginations of man's wisdom that is foolishness. God. Amen. Amen. It's a way to raise big money in praying for souls to be freed. If you don't think that's not big money, you don't know some simple things. It's big money. I know my
1: brother-in-law
0: used to give money so that they would have masses for my sister who was in heaven. And they're saying she's in purgatory, trying to help her get out of purgatory, and so on. It's also a way to give man a safety net, a second chance, another chance after death. If they didn't get it right, they'll get it right the second time in purgatory. But I say the bottom line on all that, it. It's a complete denial of the fullness of the completeness of the work and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.14 says this here, in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins to be set free through his blood, not purgatory, even the forgiveness of sins. He states in chapter 2, verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him and hath forgiven you. So I don't need to have sins. They've already all been forgiven. Huh? Hebrews 1:3 is the great verse. Who being in the brightness Christ of his glory, the Father's glory, and the express image of his person, Jesus Christ is God, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when, now get this, when he had by himself purged our sins. Amen. When you believe, he purged us clean. We're righteous in Christ. That's why we have eternal life. And when on the cross he said, it is finished, it meant it's finished. Debt been paid. Amen. And by the way, Second Corinthians 5, 8 reminds us of this. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know, the moment you die, you're present with the Lord doesn't say anything about going to purgatory, having to suffer and be purged from your sins that have already been forgiven. Doesn't make sense, does it? Now back to 1 Corinthians 3.15. What does it say again? 1 Corinthians 3.15. If any man's work shall be burned, his work, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. It's not saying that a, a person's soul Passes through a fire. It's the work, good or bad doctrine lived out that passes through the fire. Hello? It's good if it's precious stones and so on. It's bad if it's wooden hay stubble, bad doctrine. The soul is not purged, but the work is. So, by the way, what is the fire? Revelation 1.14 says this, and I'm about done. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Jesus Christ is the Word, and He is as a flame of fire. Jeremiah 23.29. Is not my word like as a fire? So good doctrine, bad doctrine, whatever one has in their life will be tested, examined by what the word of God says is for that person for their dispensation. Us, the Pauline epistles. Did we read it, study it, believe it, Follow it, share it. Did we do anything like that whatsoever? That will be the test. That's the fire of the word of God. He'll look at the way you live. Did you live according to Pauline truth or did you live according to Israel's truth? At the judgment seat of Christ, each believer will be delivered from the pollution of every doctrinal area, error. Wood, hay, stubble where people today are living Israel's earthly verses, following man's opinions, hunches, hunches, superstitions, that will profit nothing. But those people will be rewarded who learned, who believed, who followed correct doctrines, grace doctrines, Paul's epistles. as Israel's kingdom doctrines will be lived out one day on earth in the kingdom. They will live out the Sermon on the Mount. They will live out Pentecost. They will live out the new covenant on earth. Likewise, we, the body of believers, are destined to live for Paul's mystery truth given to him by Christ in God's heavenly kingdom. Brother, we live it or not live it today, one day we will if we're saved. Amen? Is what I've just said this morning important at all? Of course, salvation is first. We understand that. We understand that a person gets saved, they're saved, they're going to heaven. We understand that regardless of where they go to church or where they live. We understand that. If a person says, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Christ is the Son of God who died for my sins and they buried him, he rose again, and what he accomplished there through the gospel, I believe that's enough to save me. And they put their faith in that gospel. When they do that, they're saved. Let me ask you this morning, have you done that? And if you have not done that, believe in Him and that today, and He'll save you. But likewise, after you get saved, the verses on our walls, who will have all men to be saved, and then what? And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. What truth is He talking about? The truth of the dispensation of grace. I said before, we love all the Bible. We love everything. Matter of fact, studying rightly fighting, I've read more of the Old Testament about Israel and the Gospels and learned about that. More time spent on that than even Paul's epistles because they give clarity to Paul's epistles. And so we love all the Bible but all the Bible is not specifically to us. Amen? And that's important for that to sink in. So the reason it's important, it it determines how we will live and serve in all eternity one day. That's how important it is. And so my challenge, the first Sunday of the the year, if you haven't looked at it or you haven't tried to look at it or you're afraid to look at it, (laughs) you know, I might have to change something, God forbid. I challenge you to at least give it its proper respect in trying to study it out and see for yourself. Do that this year. And if the Lord would see fit to open your eyes and your heart, just be open about it. Don't allow your denomination, your tradition, what you've always been taught. Don't, just go by what the book says. Amen? I mean, it's that simple. I remember when it was like scales came off my eyes. And I began, I said, where in the world have I been? I've been a Baptist pastor now for 28 years at that time. I said, how come I did not see it earlier? I ask myself that sometimes. But God's timing is always correct. And he waits for us stupid individuals. Amen. And I, and it just, made sense to me as I got in it. And I began to compare scriptures and see that Israel is different than us, the body of Christ. He had a different message for them than he has for us today. And that clears up so many things when you look at interpreting the Bible. Time past, but now, ages to come. And so my challenge this morning is, this coming year, have a new beginning with the end in view. A new beginning that you begin to learn, rightly dividing, so that when you do, in the end, stand before Christ, you'll be rewarded for living, Pauline truth that's for the body of Christ today. And as a pastor, that's my heart's desire for you. 2 so, Timothy 2.15. I think you've heard it a couple of times. <laughs> Study. That means it doesn't come easy all the time. You have to work at it. You have to discipline, exercise yourself in comparing scriptures with scriptures and so on. Study to show thyself approved unto God. That's who you want to prove. You're not approving the church or man. You want to prove, be approved by God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. When I stand before him one day face to face, I don't want to be ashamed because I didn't learn, believe, and follow this truth. Rightly, correctly, severing. Who's the two? Why? When? What? Where? Dividing the word of truth. That's my heart's desire for you for the coming year, and I hope you'll take advantage of it. What a privilege we have. What a blessing we have to be called the body of Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you for the gift of salvation, and thank you for the grace of our dispensation. May we not just take it for granted, but may we study it, Learn it, believe it, may we follow it then. Because it will matter one day in the end. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.